This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. This episode of Working is sponsored by Stamps.com, where you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. For a no-risk trial and a special $110 bonus offer, go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone, and enter the promo code WORKING. And by Harry's, the shaving company that offers German-engineered blades, well-designed handles, and shipping right to your door. Visit harrys.com for $5 off your first purchase with the promo code WORKING. If you love the Working Podcast, listen longer with Slate Plus. Members get bonus segments and interview transcripts from the show. Learn more and start your two-week free trial at slate.com slash working plus. Hi, this is Adam Davidson, host of Working, Slate's podcast about what people do all day. On today's podcast, we meet a musician who's trying to figure out what working as a musician really involves. What's your name and what do you do for a living? My name is Sarah Quintana, and I'm a musician. Great. And we are, right now, we're in New Orleans. We're actually doing this interview out on the street because one thing we learned is a musician has a very busy life, and it was hard just to find a time and a place to meet. That's correct. And also in New Orleans, most places have live music. So if you find a place to meet, you might be dancing. Right. So what, what do you play? What, what kind of music, uh, what do you do, and, and what kind of music do you do it with? I play guitar, and I have a background in jazz, and for the past three years, I've been a going singer-songwriter and making more creative music um, with a variety of medium. Um, my latest project is making music with water, and I have a lot of fun playing with other improvisers and bridging the gap between composed music and soundscapes with water. And the reason I want to talk to you is... Um being in New Orleans, walking around Frenchman Street, walking around the French Quarter, there's so many musicians around. It's, it's almost hard to believe how many musicians. And I was talking to some folks, and they're like, you can actually make a living as a musician here in New Orleans. And I was curious about how that works. So how, what do you do to, to make money as a musician? I think the most important thing is to become a part of the community and one way is to learn the songs that people are playing and to start sitting in. I started um, playing music out by being a jazz vocalist and playing rhythm guitar in different jazz bands. And that gave me my foot in the door with the clubs and also helped guide me along when I was deciding as an artist what kind of music I wanted to make. 
it's very fun to play jazz and to go play on the street or to become a part of this huge web of music and especially if you're doing um americana or traditional music new orleans is a great place so uh what do you do each week or do you have regular gigs do you um how, how do you what do you actually do to to make the money I have a few regular gigs in town, which is really nice. It's so nice that your fans know where they can find you. And I'm also playing original music, so I don't have as many regular gigs, say, as when I was singing jazz covers and doing the jazz clubs in the French Quarter. But I have nice gigs that I feel very happy and at home in. I also spend time booking myself in summer tours in France, and I'm a sideman in a few different bands. So it's not uncommon for someone to call me and just have me come sing a few or play guitar in a different band, even though it's not my, my own project. And then um, I also raise money through crowdsourcing and have an album up on Kickstarter. So I feel like I'm really on the cusp of this like jazz singer-songwriter thing, but there's so many different ways that you can make money with music in a place like New Orleans. And also just, you know, many revenue streams if you get into writing and composing, I think, too. So was there a moment where you had to choose between being sort of a singing jazz standards, being a, 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 a good commercial property and pursuing your own artistic vision? Personally, yes. I don't think that's the case for everybody, but I started wanting to play my own music so much that even on my jazz gigs, I would play it. I got requests to not play my own music and to play the top 100, Basin Street Blues and When the Saints Go Marching In, and I just decided pretty much that Bourbon Street was, you know, my early 20s and I was ready to to pursue music in a different way and that it meant something more to me than just um, money. So I definitely decided, I also felt like I was developing bad habits on gigs from being in those club settings where musicality and creativity aren't really the priority, and it hasn't been as easy to make a living. I definitely do a few side jobs and really pray that my Kickstarter will get funded, but I'm much happier to put my 100% into what I'm doing instead of to pretend that... I enjoy um, singing jazz standards, which I do enjoy certain ones that I have a connection to, and I love making people happy. So I'll always play a song if someone requests it. But I really love my own songs and my own um, conviction about that. So The Working Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Mailing and shipping can seem like a no-win situation. The post office takes too much time, and a postage meter is too expensive. Fortunately, there's a better way, which is Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. And right now, use our promo code WORKING for a special offer, a no-risk trial, and a $110 bonus offer, which includes $55 in free postage. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter WORKING. That's Stamps.com, enter WORKING. Let's talk for a minute about the jazz standard world. So, So those are... You walk down Bourbon Street and it's just every window is open and you're playing songs. And, and I'm not particularly expert in jazz music. And I feel like I recognize every single song that I'm hearing walking down the street. So it's a tourist crowd. It's not a music-loving crowd. It's people who are going out to 
drink and they want to have a New Orleans experience and in their mind that's a Louis Armstrong song or some song that they they've heard before is that that's what that commercial product is I think it happens even outside of Bourbon Street and even outside of the city because oftentimes in France people will request um, St. James Infirmary or famous songs. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? And it's fun to play into that mythology. It's definitely a part of who I am. I'm from here. But more and more I feel distant to the Frenchman Street and to the the idea of making a living here um, by selling an idea to the tourists, even though I appreciate that. And my personal favorite jazz bands around have a lot of depth and a lot of discrimination about what type of tunes they play and who they're channeling. It's really possible to put together a band and do great covers. Personally, I just when I put together a band, I ended up doing my original material and veering away from jazz just kind of organically because that's what I spent more time and that's how I learn more about music um, through like improvising and composing. And for some people, like they just want to be the, the Sidney Bechet of today and, and master that style. So New Orleans is a place of such dynamic mastery of many, many aspects of jazz. You can find it all here if you're looking for somebody that plays a beautiful Louis Armstrong style trumpet or for even like contemporary jazz on the guitar scene. We have one of the world's finest like bebop and swing guitar scenes and it's such a thrill you can just go see these guys play every night and gals too yeah it's hard to convey how exciting for me frenchman street is i mean bourbon street to me feels like kind of a nightmare it's it's like just drunks and and i mean literally i saw a guy with a plastic fish bowl around his neck like tied with a cord with a straw filled with alcohol just it was the most disgusting thing in the world and it smells and it's gross and it and then Frenchman Street for me it was like every bar it was a level of expertise and virtuosity in music and just some felt really old some felt really fresh and exciting it just so to me it it, there's something so exciting and alive about um about that scene it felt it felt unique in in the world can can, can you just talk about that? Sure. For I think it's a really important comparison to look at Bourbon Street and Frenchman Street. And when you see all these amazing musicians hopping from club to club and and get this experience, you really gain an appreciation for the community building that went on after Katrina. It's, ama- it's amazing. It's a miracle that we have so many young, amazing, talented people and such a lovely community. And it is one of the most precious things. And I'm so happy to be a part of it. And I'm also just kind of like outside of it because I'm from here. So I've seen Frenchman Street go from a quaint little rundown, kind of an older crowd of like pawpaws playing jazz to this like vibrant, young, slightly commercial, everyone fears it will become the Bourbon Street. And I think that's part of the cycle of things, but I'm also really happy to, at my, at least from my perspective, being in my 20s when all of this is happening, instead of like my grandma's age or something, I've gotten to experience so much of the world through all of the musicians that have moved to New Orleans since Katrina, and it's really fun. I almost know only musicians, which is crazy, but... There's just so many, and 
it doesn't it doesn't feel strange to be a musician. It's very normal to go traveling, to have erratic hours, to have a bunch of money one day and then to have none the next, or to just be um, completely absorbed in a project. I'm really grateful that I have such stellar examples of like what the ups and downs of a true creative life are, and not in a way that's like Hollywood or L.A., but more based on the seasons and evacuating for a Katrina or these kind of like I don't know New Orleans is called the Big Easy for a reason and I do think you stay connected to a certain aspect of like your creative life here that you might not keep if you were focused on like commercializing your music or making it so how often do you play music in a week like in front of an audience personally three times a week and I kind of set that myself I'm not someone who wants to be out in the clubs late every night. I'd rather have a few nights off to go dancing. Um, and I play my gigs earlier. And I do singer-songwriter stuff almost exclusively, like my art, instead of singing jazz right now, which I might have to change. But for now, it's pretty cool. Why would you have to change it? Because I'm broke, and I really <laughs> want to make a new album. And so to not be broke, what, what would that involve? Um, probably singing jazz standards for a, a club gig. Um, what I'm working on is more like crafting my art. So I know that sounds silly and maybe a little bit snobby, but I'm kind of holding out and just hoping that my Kickstarter will get funded and that um, I can find a home for my new record. So do you play on the street sometimes? I have in the past. It's very fun with the band, and it's okay. Solo, I've done it quite a bit, and that's how I got my start. Um, Most definitely, every single musical connection I've ever made in my life has come from playing on the street. So when you... Tell me about that. How how old were you when you started playing on the street? I I was 20, and I was living in France, and I discovered that I could make money, and I could just go out drinking beer and buy my friends pizza, and I was like, oh my gosh... Who cares about getting a regular job? I'm going to sing these songs that I know. And then I started working with the Jazz Manouche group, and that went over really well. And then I started singing with a few of the bands, the Cyclown Circus and the New Orleans Moonshiners here in New Orleans when I moved back from France. And then I just shifted into like writing singer-songwriter stuff and trying to write good tunes and thinking about my career. And all of a sudden I was doing my taxes and putting up things on a website and all this really boring stuff happened, like interest rates. But it's really cool how this like little spark of passion and also wanting to be a part of the scene here in New Orleans helped me grow up in a really interesting way and find a career path. So you, you would play on the street and then you'd see other musicians playing on the street and then you'd say, hey, should we play together? Is that how you got to know people? I'd like come with the guitar and sit in and learn tunes. Like literally just walk up to some folks playing on the street. But also you kind of know the tunes, you know, and like you can still just walk up to somebody and be like, hey, could I play with you? Except some groups are a little more organized. So when I played on the street, I was usually in a group and that helped because there's definitely street politics there. Um, And I do know quite a bit of people and I'm happy to sing a few tunes here and there. But um, mostly what you do is like get a band together or or someone will need a singer or a guitar player and you you know the style and you know the tunes or you can read the charts and then you just do them 
And you can make a living, like a, a band of four people on the street? You can make a living a band of 12 people on the street, like many people do. You make great money, especially if you have CDs to sell and you have a great singer and draw a crowd. Yeah. Wow, like 12, you can make more than 100 bucks each in a day? Yeah, for sure. If you have a spot from like 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., you can do pretty well. With a bigger band, you draw more people and more attention. So that's an advantage. Um, I play guitar and sing, and I've been very fortunate that I can do little coffee shop gigs and things like that by myself and have a few people accompany me. It's really nice. But you do what works, and I think like certain groups find their 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 thing and their way of drawing a crowd and making it work. You know, usually CDs really help too, and you have a good way to hustle the CDs. Right. Yeah. What's a good way to hustle the CDs? Well, I really like um, what Ben Shank of Panorama Jazz Band says. He says, "Tips spelled backwards is spit, but don't spit in this bucket." That's funny. He was great. He's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. This episode of Working is sponsored by Harry's, the shaving company that delivers a superior shave shipped free right to your door. With Harry's, you can order razor handles, German-engineered blades, and shaving cream or gel for a fraction of what you pay at the drugstore. Right now, their starter kit is just $15. That includes the razor, three blades, and your choice of shaving cream or gel. As an added bonus, you can get $5 off your first purchase with the promo code WORKING. Get an entire month of shaving for just $10. And again, shipping is always free. Go to harrys.com right now and get $5 off the starter set with the coupon code WORKING. That's harrys.com and the promo code WORKING. So I, I feel like the things I'm interested in are the opposite of the things you're, you're interested in. But the, so the, the way I would think about your economic choices, it seems like there's sort of a there's a slow and steady and reasonably reliable way to make an okay income. For sure. But then the singer-songwriter route from a, I mean, there's a, the creative part and the passion part, but from an economic standpoint, it's it's a much wider range. Like, it's a riskier proposition. You have a much bigger upside potential. Like, you, you're not going to become a superstar f- uh, or, or have your own recording contract or something just playing on the street or doing jazz standards on Bourbon Street. But so you could, as a singer-songwriter, really establish a name for yourself in your own income stream, or you could just not not do well, right? Yeah, I know. I don't know what I'm thinking. And it's really nice, like, I don't think of jazz or, like, being a jazz vocalist as a background plan at all. It's something that's been really important to me and that I had to do. And that I, I'm really lucky I did it because I paid for all these lovely things. I just wanted to write my own music, and I really love writing tunes, and I really love playing guitar. And I couldn't hide that. I felt, like, really sad, actually, when I realized I wasn't going to be a jazz singer because I had wanted it for so long. Really? Yeah. That was sad? <laughs> I was sad, yeah. I wrote a song about it. Really? <laughs> What's the song? It's called Cut Flower, and it's a tribute to the jazz singers who wore cut flowers in their hair and who sing for the day before their color fades away. Wow. Yeah. But it just it just wasn't me. I think it's more important to be authentic and to find 
you know, even if things are risky, like to find a way to do things with integrity that's uplifting to everybody. Like an archetype of the jazz singer to me was something that it that I just couldn't honestly wear. And I'm not that good at singing sultry, sexy songs. Um, and the way that I find sensuality and like romance is through my own like experiences and the way I convey them in my own words so I'm pretty happy about it I hope my album gets funded (laughs) and if it doesn't I I don't know what I'm doing I just don't so I think my last question so I my parents are artists and I grew up in a world where everybody, all the adults were artists and I dealt with that by becoming a financial reporter and making sure I always had a steady income because it was hard as a kid to have, I mean, I'm thrilled my parents are artists and, and, and I love art artists, but um, it was hard as a kid to have that kind of fluctuating income and looking at older artists, I think it like when you're still 29, you, you can, absorb a, a degree of uncertainty and, and even some hungry nights where you're <laughs> bugging your friends for uh, you know going over to a friend's house at dinner time just by coincidence but wh- where I would get nervous is thinking out 20 years from now and, and what your life would be like at that time do you, do you think about that the economics of middle age of old age of, of having a family I do I actually think artists think about money quite a bit um, my mom is an accountant and so I'm the inverse and I really love that my parents get to see me sing and enjoy vicariously my crazy travels and stories and hear hear them in song form. I feel so infinitely special that like my aunt and all my little cousins and my grandma know the words to my songs. It's so cool. I have no regrets about it. I don't worry that much at all, but I also see myself doing other things and loving other things and I want to have a family I feel like everything I'm doing is a step in that direction and I I have a lot of role models for a way that it could work in a way that would make me happy and it does work like most of the adults yeah. I know it worked like I, I didn't mean to freak you out I just no yeah. I'm not freaked out maybe my mom wishes I was a little more freaked out but I'm just I have like no I don't know. I don't know why I'm not worried. I'm not. I kind of have to do it. If I don't do it, I would feel like why even be alive. So so if it's what you live for, you don't really have a choice. Thank you for listening to Working. You can see a lot more at slate.com slash working. You can hear all the podcasts I've done and that David Plotz did before me. Also, there's a link to Sarah Quintana's Kickstarter page up there. She really could use the support. Working is produced by Alexis Diao. Joel Meyer is our managing producer, and Andy Bowers is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Tune in next week. We're going to have another interesting person with an interesting job. Hey, this is Brian Koppelman, host of the Slate Panoply podcast, The Moment. This week's guest is best-selling author John Acuff. John might be in the self-help category, but when you picture him, don't picture a, a huckster trying to tell you what to do. He is a bracingly honest and hilarious person. And before he tells you what to do, he always looks deep inside himself like he did on this week's episode of the show. 
I knew I wanted to be an artist and an author, and I was telling people to do brave things, and I wasn't doing brave things. But that's what I want to know. What did that feel like? So what did that, that felt feel horrible. like? Yeah. That felt horrible. You can find The Moment at iTunes.com slash The Moment or Slate.com slash The Moment.